life is not easy and anything you are going to take on any challenge is going to have its hardships. So really it's about figuring out and finding out that balance, the balance between, okay, this is difficult, but how is this also rewarding and how is this worth it? Welcome to the Reach New Heights podcast, where we dive deep into all things self-healing, transformation, and building dreams. I'm Julie Householder, and it is my passion to share powerful tools to empower you to transform your life and reach new heights. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Reach New Heights podcast, everybody. Today, our honored guest is Jared Talbot. Jared is a vlogger, writer, filmmaker, and social media specialist. He runs an Orlando-based travel vlog with his fiance under the name The Date Hoppers, where they cover date night spots, theme parks, travel destinations, dining reviews around Florida and beyond. They've done work with the Disney blog and covered media events at Walt Disney World. Jared also has a passion for independent filmmaking, is currently executive producing a short film called Breaking the Wheel about the effects of alcoholism and abuse on a family. He hopes to use the film to work with AA and other organizations globally to raise awareness about addiction, PTSD, depression, and more. He's battled anxiety and depression his entire life and pursues his passions to bring joy to others and raise awareness as well. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today, Jared. I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your story and what brought you to the work you do currently, as well as what what brought you to our podcast today, as far as some of the things that you'd love to share. Well, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. My kind of career trajectory has been uh, very interesting, constantly unwinding, winding. I don't even know where it's going to go next, but Hey, that's, uh, that's kind of some of the stuff we'll talk about today. So I, uh, I grew up in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and, uh, and always kind of had a passion for writing and, and video. And I remember watching movies when I was a kid and just being like enthralled and wanting to be like there. And I think I was like nine years old when my mom finally told me that superheroes weren't real. So that was a, that was a big dream crusher. <laughs> But no, I just, uh, I, I started trying to figure out how I could kind of harness that into an actual career someday, which kind of led me to studying at Flagler College and getting my degree back in 2018. At the time, and, and for the longest time, I thought what I wanted to do was study sports journalism and, and kind of cover both from a writing and video standpoint, my passion for sports. And uh, it wasn't until senior year where I realized that wasn't going to be the rewarding career that I wanted to do. I'm a pretty big world thinker where I like to think of how can I make an impact on the world, both with my work and, and everyday experiences. And so that's what kind of led me to travel and, and vacations, because I, I felt like Whenever I go on a vacation, I, I feel that as a rewarding experience. And if I can help someone else plan their vacation and, and go on their travels and, and make memories with their family, then that feels very rewarding. And then the filmmaking aspect was something that uh, I've always kind of wanted to do. I guess I was just so filled with self-doubt and, and so scared, believing that I couldn't actually make a movie or, or write a movie for that matter. But last October, I kind of got a surge of motivation and and started writing a script and talking to some people in the in the movie world and and all of a sudden we uh, we got the ball rolling and I uh, worked with a dear friend Michaela Riley who I went to college with on writing the script and the entire film is about alcoholism and abuse and it it, it stems from my own personal childhood a lot of experiences there and and so yeah that film comes out later this year and and I'm looking at ways to use it to hopefully help people wow that's amazing and with your personal experience how have you navigated both 
personal care, as well as diving into these topics and bringing them onto a screen in both industries, because I feel like a lot of us love and seek travel. We seek those experiences because it almost brings us into like an altered state of consciousness. And I think it's that time for us to really refresh and recharge and kind of remove us from our daily life to where we're able to really connect with ourselves and kind of see our life from a different point of view. And so in all of that work, how do you navigate those, those aspects of producing and content creation, as well as taking care of yourself and your own mental health? So it's, it's more challenging than I foresaw. I, I would say that like, you know, when I first wrote the script for Breaking the Wheel, it was all about, the whole story is based off of my own childhood and my father's childhood. It's, it's about generations of alcoholism and abuse. And, and when I first wrote it, I, I didn't feel any sense of insecurity or anxiety or, or fear. Nothing happened at first. But once I got to the set and I started seeing the actors and costumes and portraying these very real people and seeing very real experiences and reliving that, it, it definitely was hard for me. And I had to take a few moments to step away from the set and just, you know, tell everybody I'll be back in a minute. It, it's about balancing that kind of stuff because life is not easy and anything you are going to take on any challenge is going to have its hardships. So really it's about figuring out and finding out that balance, the balance between, okay, this is difficult, but how is this also rewarding and how is this worth it? And once you find the worth in what you're doing, that's what gets you the motivation to keep going. And so for me, I found the worth was using this, you know, this story and with a lot of hardships, a lot of bad memories, you know, between my father's childhood and a lot of my family's experience, how can I harness that to help someone else? So that maybe somewhere someone watches this short film or, or goes to an AA meeting and the AA group watches the short film. And, and perhaps that person goes home and, and maybe fully commits or, or maybe someone watches the film and tells their sister who knows their neighbor is abusing a child, but isn't doing anything about it and is too nervous. Maybe it gives them the motivation to do something about that. It's really about balancing the purpose of, of what you're doing and the worth of it all with, with kind of that struggle with, with it, it isn't easy. And sometimes reliving past traumas and, and kind of experiencing and, and, you know, everybody's watched a movie or read a book that kind of triggers them in some way. Maybe it brings up a bad memory. Maybe it brings up this feeling you haven't had since you were bullied in high school or, or this breakup you had that, that you weren't fully over and you thought you were, but you aren't. Everybody experiences that. And it's about kind of pushing through that wall to realize that on the other side, there is purpose and there is, there's a reason behind what you're doing. And that's been a challenge for me, but, but it's all been worth it for that reason. It reminds me of a quote that I came across recently on, on the gram. And it was talking about how when we're able to really harness our experiences and use it to help others, our darkness and our mess can become someone else's survival guide. With a lot of aspects of what I do and what I feel from you is embracing that aspect and, yeah. and creating that guide for others. And especially through media, because media is such a powerful way to spread messages for people to just emotionally connect. There, there's something so powerful about film that can impact change in a way that other forms of media like print might not necessarily do. So I, I applaud you on stepping into that rigor to be able to produce something like that that can really 
create those ripples of change for a lot of people who would rather connect with a film rather than other forms of media. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and same goes to you with what you're doing with this podcast and some of your other endeavors. You're choosing willingly to jump into the media world to help other people and to raise awareness and to end stigmas and stuff like that. And that, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I mean, for me, it's it, it doesn't it's not I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's like it's easy or and I'm certainly not going to sit here and and tell you all that. Like, it's just like you can jump right into some really past traumatic experience and bulldoze through it because that's not how it works. And it would be an injustice for me to tell the world that taking on a challenge is is easier than it's said and done. It's just not. But at the same time, again, any challenging thing you do in your life, any difficult thing you do in your life, any, any tough moment, it's about kind of slowly getting there. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it's quick. But on the other side, that's where you find the reasoning behind it all and the purpose of it all. If you go through a very tough breakup, is it hard? Of course it is. And then it may not ever go away, those feelings, but if you come out the other side, you learn certain things there that maybe if you didn't learn it, you wouldn't have found that person who you get married to and gives you this extreme happiness. I found that every little experience can mean something and kind of bouncing off what you were just talking about with the media world we live in. We live in this incredible generation where you can use podcasting or YouTubing or anybody has the world at their fingertips and can make an impact on the world. Uh, my grandmother, who passed away when I was in college, used to tell me that she used to always like making conversations with people on airplanes, you know, the people they sat next to on airplanes. Because she was like, I love to, you know, I say some nice things to them and maybe I impact their world. And then they, they're off on their way and I never see them again. And I thought that was really beautiful. But What's fascinating about that now is we can do that on such a grander scale. It's like in the 1970s, you could maybe be nice to a few people on the streets, but now you could, you have the world at your fingertips. You can make videos and podcasts and, and TikToks and, and Instagram messages, spreading love and, and being a good human being and, and impact thousands and millions of people, which is, we live in a rare generation that way. Absolutely. And I, whenever I look at younger generations than us, I always see how educated they are about so many topics where I was like 11, 12, 13, 14. I didn't know any of, like, I compared like the information they have access to and how these generations, it's just amazing to see just their, how they advocate for mental health, the way that they bring it up. So it's been a really interesting thing to watch and also learn from for our generations where like we didn't have TikTok necessarily, like maybe social media was just starting to roll through and get just got started. But I like how you mentioned how everyone can with your circle of influence and how we have a much larger circle of influence through those moments, even in how we comment on people's stories. And, and all of us are familiar with the concept of the highlight reel. It's really easy to scroll through and compare ourselves to other people and kind of get sucked even in, in the work that we do where I have to make sure I'm monitoring my own thoughts where I'm not trying to compare myself to another podcast or to another person that's doing the similar work that I'm doing. Right. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about self-comparison and kind of the self-doubt process that you deal with as you pursue these different passions of yours. Yeah, sure. So I think that what I found that for anybody who's listening to this, who's who's in their 20s. This especially is for you. And I know that people deal with this, teenagers, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, it's, it's everywhere. So if this applies to you, great. But 
I've found personally through living through my 20s, it is so easy to compare yourself to others. And I think that that's kind of one of the negative downsides of living in such a social media dominated world is, you know, I'm so I'm 25, for example, right? And I'll go on Instagram and I'll scroll through and I might see a good friend of mine and they got their second new car or they got a house. And it's so easy to look at that and just go, oh my gosh what am I doing with my life? I, I have credit card debt. I have medical medical debt. I can't pay this off. Or am I going to be enough for my fiance or, or whatever it is that those minds scroll through my mind all the time, because, you know, it's so easy to look at someone else. But the truth is we have no idea what's actually going on in that person's life. We have no idea if they're just going to be struggling with debt for the next 20 years because they got that second car or that new house we have no idea if that person is absolutely miserable at their job and they'd so much rather be making 30K a year and be happy than making 100K a year and be, you know, successful. We have no idea about that. That's why it's dangerous to be relying solely on the social media world of looking at a post or a video or anything and comparing yourself. When Molly and I, my fiance, when we first started our YouTube channel, The Date Hoppers, to kind of help Orlando people with vacations and stuff like that. I told her from the start, I'm not taking shortcuts. I'm not going to go film a video on some clickbait thing. I'm not going to film some video of a fight that broke out just to get a bunch of clicks and I'm not going to make a clickbaity thumbnail. I told her from the start, like, let's just be good human beings trying to help people with their vacations. And if we get successful, great, but I'm not sacrificing being a good human being to get some more clicks or become famous or YouTube famous, whatever that even means. I just, it, it was important to me to kind of outline those values ahead of time. And it was the same thing with the short film that I'm making. And, and yeah, I just, uh, what do you think about that, about the dangers of social media and, and comparisons and everything like that? I think it, it just impacts every aspect of our lives. It impacts everyone from mental health to self-image to constantly seeing all of these. I mean, I, I was looking at just the app filters for Instagram and Snapchat that will oh, change your face to make you look like you have had plastic surgery. And I think about a lot of, again, these younger generations, these kids that are growing up and they're like, this is the standard of beauty. Like I should be looking like this. I'm not enough as I am. The implications of what that means. And then it's also in for peeps in the twenties, it can be super easy again to look at people's highlight reel. Keeping up with the Joneses, that's always been around always, yeah. but now it's, we're comparing our lives to all of these people across the internet. And we yeah. don't know the truth of their life. Our lives are all different. They're not supposed to be the same. And I think because in our school system in the United States, or at least from my experience, I don't know if you can resonate with this, but there's a lot of it's kind of like herding cattle to think a certain kind of way. And a lot of professors and a lot of teachers place a lot of pressure on who you are, what you want to do in the world. The fact that you should have it all figured out all the time was kind of like a, a message that I subconsciously absorbed. Maybe some other kids didn't, but I definitely did. After going through that, and especially in the journalism world, when I was studying that, they were like, newspapers are dying. You need to be good at everything if you want to even get a job interview. Because already yeah. right there up front, you're not, a, you know, you have to be like X, Y, and Z just to have an ounce of someone's attention because you're not good enough as you are already. Which is dangerous, right? Because right there, what that professor or whoever would say that to you is saying is you're not good enough right now. 
you know, so it's, it's about, it's a dangerous road to go down. And I, and I absolutely agree. I think for me, it's like, I, I got so lost in this idea that society kind of pushes us to do this whole, like, you got to go to school. And then when you're done with school, you got to go to college and you got to get a degree and you better know what you want to do. Cause right after college, you got to go to job interviews and get a job and a 401k and then work for 30 years and then retire. And, and then you're, you're going to die 10 years later. Like that's, that's crazy that that's like the world we live in where that's like, you know, drilled into a lot of kids' brains. And I think it's a dangerous thing because just because the generation before us, the generation before them maybe did that where they just got to school. But I mean, there's reports out there now where the value of a college degree is 300% less than it was 25 years ago. And, you know, going off and the value of a high school diploma in 1980 is apparently the exact same as the value of most college degrees now except back then they were $0 in debt. And now we're all $100,000 in debt, not knowing what we want to do with our lives. So, so many people in their 20s go through this dangerous mindset that, that, I, that I'm really worried about throughout the world because I experienced it myself. And it sounds like you did yourself where we feel this immense pressure. We graduate college or we get towards the end of that road and we feel like, well, uh, everybody told me I got to go I got to go do this job for 35 years and work nine to five and then retire at 65. And that's what I got to go do. And so many people go do that. And, and, you know, I'm not knocking those people. If you find happiness in that, that's great. But what I am saying is that if you know, you're not going to be happy doing what you're doing, if you have a passion for something else, you can pursue that 100%. And don't let, you know, even if it's your mom, your dad, or anybody else tell you differently, because their happiness is not your happiness. What your mom wants for you is not what you want for you, you know, and your mom, if your mom loves you, they'll support you no matter what. And so I just, I hope more people kind of get that idea out of, out of this, because for me, it was like, gosh, I just, I got to the end of my senior year and I was studying journalism and, and sports writing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do this for the next 35 years of my life, but I was just told that, well, you know, you were a sports editor at the newspaper and you studied the TV and you did this and you, you, you got to, I mean, what else are you going to do? And it wasn't until, you know, maybe a year or two ago where I was just like, I'm not doing that. And I'm going to use my skills to learn something else and pursue something else. And who cares if somebody judges me and says, well, you always said you were going to be a sports writer. Who cares? You know, we're not supposed to I don't think it's natural for us to just want one thing for 40 years straight and do that one thing. It's normal to have different passions and it's normal to pursue different things. And, and, you know, if society is telling you different, then maybe society's wrong and maybe you're not wrong. That's kind of how I see it. A hundred percent. And I think about that strange path of high school to college. So high school, you're in senior year of high school and you have to raise your hand to go to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden you graduate and it's like, you need to have your entire life figured out. So it's, it's very interesting, that process of going from being very, in a very like heavily controlled environment to being like, all right, here you go. Like, good luck um, without any, any skills, you know, at, and I always say this, I wish the public school systems and like all of schools would teach kids like just normal stuff about, okay, like, how do you sign a lease? How do you protect yourself as a renter? You know, what file you your taxes, how like- do you, right? How do you interview for a job? Like, how do you file your taxes? All of these basic skills. 
that is kind of just like, all right, like, here you go. But you know, I got that Y equals MX plus B that I'll never use. And that's in my head. Right. So thank God I learned about the American revolution for the fourth time, you know, like it's, it's crazy. It's very flawed in my mind. You know, when you're a kid, is it, of course, it's important to learn basic mathematics and all this, all this stuff to develop your brain. But when we're 17, 18 years old, towards the end of high school, do we need to learn about the same historical events we've learned four separate times? Or do we need to learn about high advanced mathematics if, if Jeff over here wants to go be a chef someday? Like, it's a little flawed. And you're absolutely right. That's a good point that I never thought of that people, we go from this crazy system where it's like, hi, can I please go use the facilities to like, hey, did you pick a major? Because this is what you're going to do for the next 40 years of your life. And you can show up to class if you want. If you don't, you don't have to. You can get up and go to the bathroom whenever you want. You can go do whatever you want. You can go out to bars if you want. It doesn't matter. We go from this environment where we're very enclosed and have this set of rules to completely and utterly independent. And how many 18-year-olds out there should be expected to fully know what they want to do for the next 40 years of their, of their life. And how many of them say they know what they want to do and just convince themselves that that's what they want to do. But maybe it's not. Maybe they do have this other passion for animation or, or art or whatever it is, but they're just too afraid to pursue it. And it's dangerous too, because when the generation before us and the generation before them, they believed and they were raised that they just have to do this one job for 30, 40 years and pursue this one passion and get this major. And you got to get good at six different skills. Like you were talking about, like they were raised that that's how it was. So they tell us that's how it is. Even if in today's world, it's not like that anymore. It's, it's a dangerous game. And that's why there's just an influx of student loan debt out there. And a lot of people having no idea what they want to do with their lives. And, and that's okay. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here. If I, if I push one lesson in this podcast today, I just want everybody who's listening to know it is okay to not know what you want to do or be unsure if you want to pursue something for the next 30, 40 years, that is all right. Like you can wake up tomorrow and say, Hey, I want to pursue something else. You know, is it, is it going to work out in a week or a month? No, probably not, but it's okay. Go pursue it. Go try something else because we literally only live once, you know, the pressure that we feel in transitions, millennials and under and I've seen a lot of different research on that where millennials are more apt to, to change jobs and the younger generations are more apt to change jobs and kind of stay stuck in one place, even though mm-hmm. that might not be service to their highest interest. But for me, I always remind myself that each one of us is different and it's okay to be unsure because even if say we were studying something and we really want to pursue it and then we actually get to the job and while we're working, we're like, oh, I actually like don't like this. I didn't think it was going to be what I had in my head, knowing it's okay to change, knowing it's okay to try something new and build it slowly on the side. Cause all of us are, you know, obviously balancing different financial situations and different amounts of debt. Um, But there's always something that you can do from where you are to start taking those steps towards your dream. The five minute thing that if you want to, for instance, start a new career path, what can you do for five minutes? Can you watch like some YouTube videos on it? Can you do some, some research and just start building slowly and start from there? What can I do from where I am, from what I have, even if it doesn't seem like you have a whole lot to start from? Absolutely. I mean, we, so first of all, one of my least favorite sayings is like, oh, I don't have time because we have so much more time than we think we do. I mean, when you look at your day, 
And yes, even if you're working 50, 60 hours a week, is that tough? Of course, I'm never gonna say that's not tough. I've been there myself. I was saying that if you look at your day and you look at how much time, how many hours of sleep do you like say you need? Like I need nine to 10 or I need seven to eight or whatever. And then you look at the rest of your day and you say, oh, well, yeah, I get home and I watch Netflix for three, four hours or I do this or I do that. You, if you round up all that time, uh, you'll find, wow, I have a lot of time there that I could invest into something that I really love and that I'm passionate about. But it's just this idea where like, no, I just got to, you know, I got to work and I got to go home and then I got to get my stuff ready for the next day. And then I got to work again. And then I can't, I can't go do something else. I mean, for example, um, when I first started realizing that I wanted to pursue like theme parks and travel and, and video and, and writing about that instead of sports, I, I had no idea what I was doing. This was back in like June of 2019. I was just, just a year out of graduating. I still wasn't pursuing sports journalism, but I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I thought, okay, I want to give this a try. I still had a job. I was still working 40, 50 hours a week, but I just slowly learned how do I create a YouTube channel? How do I, what's the right equipment to get? How do I get good on camera? And, and on my days off, I'll go out and film and maybe three of the videos weren't good. So I don't post them, but some of them were. And I slowly got better and learned how to make thumbnails and everything. And two years later, now that I have, you know, a thousand subscribers and on my TikTok page, I've been very fortunate and, and we have 24,000 followers and 4 million views and all these great things that's happened to us. None of that would have been possible had I not just woke up that one day and decided I'm going to give this a shot. It didn't happen overnight and I've barely made any money off of the whole thing, but I love to do it. And now I'm starting to come across opportunities where I can do this full time. But had I not done it for no money at all for two straight years and not done it because I loved it, then maybe I wouldn't be in this position now where I'm looking at some jobs where I can pursue travel, videography, and, and writing full time. Had I just sat there at my job for 40 hours a week and watched Netflix every day and didn't and just decided it's too difficult or I can't do it, there's no way any of these opportunities coming my way would be there. So I think it's important for people to remind themselves that even if you can't get paid to do something you love right away, still pursue it. Like you said, even five minutes, if it starts at just five minutes, that's great. Maybe you expand it to 20 minutes a day. Maybe, you know, just, just reserve that time for yourself. Maybe you want to learn piano, whatever it is, like find that, find that time for yourself. Cause it's very important that we all pursue some passions and pursue some stuff that we love to do. Otherwise, what are, what are we but just a bunch of robots for 30, 40 years? And I'd hate that for anybody. I am a proud, a proud speaker on adults doing hobbies because when we look at kids all the time, a lot of kids, if they're, they're privileged, privileged enough to be in that situation where they can do some extracurricular activities or their school program has like an art program or different things for them to try, as adults, we kind of stop that exploration process. And I think it's really important for our mental and emotional and physical health to really engage in activities that are not your work. They're not every other related, you know, stress there in your life. Yeah. Ways to do that, that are cost effective too. If that's something that's super stressful, just doing once a week. I mean, there's so many things on YouTube. Uh, the other day I was like, wow, I really want to start learning how to draw. You go on YouTube. It's like free drawing lesson. All you need is a piece of paper and a pencil. And you can start learning something new. There are so many different opportunities where you can just start engaging in hobbies and something that can really feed and fuel and nourish you 
when your brain is going to 40, 50, 60 hours, perhaps of a week that, you know, you kind of feel like you're running out of gas and there's different ways that you can engage your brain and continue growing and learning new things. Absolutely. I, I think that's a very good point. I mean, it, you know, some of the stuff I was talking about absolutely doesn't have to just, you know, relate to your career path and wanting to go do a passion full time as a career. If you're, if you're content and happy doing your job full time, but want to, you know, still pursue something on the side that makes you happy, then absolutely do that. And that's why I'm a huge component of traveling and experiences and stuff like that, both, at, you know, in terms of living your life, but also in terms of your mental health. So anxiety and depression is something that I've battled for the vast majority of my life, but it's been something that I've just ignored or, or tried to believe it's not real. And, and a lot of that is due to the stigma out there. You know, you're, you're terrified to talk to another person about, you know, this insane anxiety you're dealing with. You're terrified of going on medication or talking to a therapist or anything like that. And, and so many people out there will tell you like, Oh, and and there's toxic masculinity too. As a male, I deal with that whole idea where like, Oh, well just suck it up or rub some dirt on it. Or just, you know, you're fine. You're a guy, you got to just do it, which I think is very dangerous, but I won't go down that road. But my point is, is that is there's such a stigma out there with all this kind of stuff and, and life is hard. So finding those five minutes to, or, or 20 minutes or an hour or two hours, however long it is to pursue something you're passionate about, even if it's just journaling, or if it's not something that's in your career, maybe it's yoga or maybe it's exercise or whatever it is that just gives you a sense of purpose and makes you feel better. I think that's so important because otherwise it's so easy to, to go down that road where we have a generation of people battling so much mental health problems because, you know, they just feel so like they don't have purpose. Like they're just a number at their job or a number at their college. And that shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't be the case where so many people out there feel like, oh, they're just a robot and they clock in and then they clock out and they go home or they got all these bills and they got debt. And it's just, it's tough. It's tough. You know, you got to find these things, whatever they are, whatever you're passionate about that give you a sense of purpose. And if you decide you want to pursue that full time, great. You decide you just want to do it 20 minutes a day. Great. Whatever that is, you got to find those things that give you purpose. Otherwise mental health can just get worse and worse and worse. I had a episode about self-care and one of the tiers that I always like to talk about is community. A big part of this podcast, besides the fact that I love creating it is a way that I can connect with other people and also give back. And that's something that really nourishes me. If you're in the position that you're not really sure what your interests are now or what your passions are, perhaps they've changed. I always recommend when you were a kid, what did you love to do? What were you interested in doing? Like what lit you up as a kid? And sometimes for me, that's even like watching one of my favorite childhood movies or something to kind of just ignite that old curiosity. But also another question that I like to ask myself is like, how can I impact my community? What's there like an issue in the world that I could work towards learning about or making a difference in someone in my community or a group in my community that's like really struggling right now. Like, what can I do from where I am to kind of just give back? And when we're of service to others, it really does fuel ourselves. And I think for humans, we, you know, our basic needs are connection. We want, besides the basic needs of obviously like shelter, food, clothing, which not everybody has access to you know, the emotional aspect, we want to have connection with each other. We want to feel accepted 
and loved and also give love. And I think that's a basic aspect of what it means to be human. And many of us aren't even doing that in, in a lot of our work environments or not feeling that connection. And so building community and building those connections through acts of service is a really great way that I've also really helped myself in my own journey of anxiety, depression, PTSD, but giving to others, it really does. It also gives to yourself. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's so important that we do good things for, for ourselves, for other people. And, and again, kind of going back to that original word I talked about with, with purpose and self-worth, you know, it, it gives, gives so much of that too. I always said to myself, and my, again, my grandmother kind of taught me this lesson that if by the time I pass away someday, if, if nothing else, if I'm remembered as being a good person, if I'm remembered as being a nice human being, then that's, that's something worthwhile. And so many people get lost in that. Like they, oh, I need to go make a million dollars or I need to publish a novel or for anybody to remember me. But there are important people who remember you for who you are, for just being a good human being, for being a nice, reliable friend, for anything like that. We all can make an impact in the world, regardless of career. I, I remember I had this conversation and, you know, someone was like, oh, well, how can I make an impact or how can I really change the, how can I make someone smile if I'm a laborer or if I, if I work as a, as a driver. When you stop at your stop, at your job, compliment someone or make them smile a little bit and walk out the door. You just made an impact on that person's day. You know, maybe a writer or maybe a celebrity can make an impact on more people, but you yourself can still make an impact on someone else. And like you said, that tends to make you feel better yourself. It makes you feel better, which is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing to be able to give something to someone else and, and find that self-worth in, in, in yourself. Like Jim Carrey, for example, who's one of my all-time favorite actors, when he gave his commencement speech back in 2013 or 14, which by the way, if you ever get a chance, anybody listening to watch that, sit down and watch that whole speech someday because it's really amazing. But in that speech, he talks about how he came across comedy and, and, and movies and how he found this idea where what he does frees people from concern, if only for a few minutes. And he found that's like, that gives him profound purpose. He said, this is something I can do. I can make people laugh. I can make people forget about all the bad in the world for a few minutes. And that's how he is giving back to the world. So it's all about how we can learn how to do that. How can we make an impact on the world? How can we give back to the world? Regardless if you work at a gas station or if you're a CEO, we can all do something. Even if it's for one person a day, changes someone's trajectory of your day. Maybe you're nice to someone in a store and that person was considering committing suicide that day. But because you were nice to them, they decided not to. And they go off and live a tremendous life. You have no idea what everybody's going through and I just, I think it's amazing when you think about that, because we ourselves have so much power over impacting people's lives. Thinking about times in my life where when I, know, I remember specifically when I was in high school, when I first experienced depression for the first time, when I would have those really down moments, one of the, my practices is I would literally walk around the mall and I would just try to make as much eye contact with people and smile. Those days where it just seemed like the biggest blessing where all these people were like would pass me and they were like super nice to me and like smiling. And I was like, okay, like that was like my, one of my like self-care practices. And I can remember so many moments in my life where I was really struggling and just some random stranger just said something really kind to me. Even when, you know, when I was experiencing childhood trauma and, and I remember being in a crepe maker in Florida 
And this server came out of nowhere. Hey, like everything's going to be okay. Like I see you seem to be really struggling. Keep on going. Like you can get through this. And he just disappeared. I will never forget that moment because he just saw this little girl who was really struggling with some very intense circumstances and moved out of his way to say that to me. So that's something I'll never forget. That's amazing. And, and that's a great story. And, and it's, it's, again, that's, that's kind of why I, I talk so much about it and why I still think to this day about my grandmother telling me to have conversations with people on airplanes, because it's not just about having a conversation with that person on an airplane. It's the, the idea of it, the idea that you can smile at someone and it can help their day. There was a, a guy who actually passed away um, very young, 16, 17 I was 16, 17 in high school. He had just graduated high school and he, he got hit by a car and it was a big tragedy in my hometown. And he had this belief that smiles were contagious. So he would smile at someone and just watch what happens and people, other people would smile. And he met, had this profound impact on my town and I didn't know him personally, but so many people in my town were so sad when he passed at such a young age of 18, 19, because of that idea is that he, he just wanted to make your day better make you smile and other people got had better days because of that and look he, he passed away at 18 19 years old and look at that impact he had on the world from just smiling at human beings the the absolute minimum we could do basically is is just just send a smile someone's way and watch what happens i think that's a pretty amazing thing i have several stories like that myself one of them is something i'll personally never forget and that's when i was freshman or i was going to my freshman year at of Flagler, I was working 60, 70 hour weeks as a bar back uh, at a restaurant and just working, saving every penny because it was my dream to go off to college. Unfortunately, my, my parents weren't able to help me financially. I had gotten as much financial aid as possible. I had begged them three, four times over, but I was at a situation where I still needed to come up with six or seven grand myself over the course of a two, two and a half, half month span. And at 18, that's a lot of pressure for someone making nine bucks an hour. So it was really difficult. And I thought, and I truly believed it wasn't going to happen. And there was a day where I remember I parked my car at work and I was about ready to go in. And I just took this huge breath and I was like tears coming to my eyes. Cause I just, I wanted so bad to make this dream happen. And I just, I was ready to give up. And that night, literally that night, a man just at the bar wanted to hear my story. So I told him my story and told him about what I wanted to do. And he could see that I was doubting myself a little bit. So he pulls out his checkbook and writes me a check for $1,000. And had the man not done that, I would not have gone to Flagler. I would not have gotten my degree and I would not be here today. So that if nothing else is hopefully a lesson to anybody out there that the most amazing things can happen to you at the moments you're most doubting yourself. Those moments where you're like ready to give up. It's sad to say, but usually those are when the amazing things happen because even if it's a small thing or a big thing, it's those little reminders that remind you that like, okay, this is going to be all right. I'm going to make it kind of thing. Oh my goodness. It's pretty amazing. Absolutely. That is so amazing. It, it reminds me of a, a story because my, my family came here from Cuba and my grandfather was all about acts of kindness. And he saw this man on the side of the road with this wheelbarrow full of oranges and it had toppled over and he stopped what he was doing to help this guy pick up every single one of his oranges. Totally forgot about it. And it came time to the when my family was trying to come here from Cuba and it was very hard because of the government, they didn't want to let my family come here. And 
all of a sudden that man on the side of the road with the oranges was now working in the government. And because of that act of kindness, he is the person that enabled my family to come to this country and cleared my family to come here. And that's, you know, again, another moment. And that's a lesson that I carry with myself where you never know how those small acts of kindness, and we don't often see the direct results of them. They have a, it's a trickle effect and it, it completely shifts the trajectory of everyone's lives when we step into that role of, of just being kind to other people. In today's world, there's so much negativity out there on social media, on the news and anywhere. I mean, you turn on your TV or you go on Twitter, it's just so much hate and negativity and it's dangerous. And I know you and I have like personally talked about the just sometimes just taking a break from social media because you need to, but uh, it's, it's very important to either take breaks or also remind yourself of the good in the world. Because if you, if you get dragged into those, you know, those Twitter threads or the Instagram feeds of just the, the drama and the, and the so much negativity out there, it's, it's easy to forget that being a kind person goes a long way and being a nice person to even just a few people makes a big difference. And you really never know what kind of impact that is. And that's a really amazing story about, you know, the oranges in your family and everything. Cause like that little thing, look at how big of an impact it's now made on your family and how you are where you are today. That's, that's an incredible thing. Every single time I hear a story like that, I just, it's a reminder, you know, it's a reminder for you and for anybody out there that, you know, you can directly impact the world, whether you're a podcaster or whether you're just a retail worker, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you have one act of kindness or you're nice to one person that day, you have no idea the trickle effect that, that could play a role in. I was reading up on this the other day. If anybody cares to read up on it, it's pretty cool. But the story of how Flaming Hot Cheetos came to be. Well, there was a man, uh, he, was a, he was a Mexican man who worked for uh, Frito-Lays. He had this idea. He was, he was talking about how like in Mexico and Latin America, people love spicy food. Like that's a big thing. And there was an open door policy at Frito-Lays where if you had an idea for a product, you could go in and sell the product basically. Well, apparently back then, I forget it was this 80s or 90s or somewhere back then that Frito-Lays was like about to go under. They could only rely on plain potato chips for so long and all this. And so he went in and pitched his idea. And now that man pitched the idea. It's one of their most all-time selling products like Flaming Hot Cheetos. And now he's a multimillionaire. And he came from, he was a janitor working for the company. And, and it works both ways because obviously he had a fantastic idea and he learned from his culture, a culture who loves spicy food. But the company actually listened to this person and actually said, you know what? I know this person's not working in its position of power, but they got a great idea and he got rewarded because of it. That to me is cool because you're, it's, it's an act of faith on both sides. You know, it's easy for a guy in a big suit to go, oh, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But if you just stop looking at them as, oh, what they're doing and you say, hey, that's a good idea. Anybody can do anything. That's, that's the whole idea behind it. And I just think that's really cool. And I think it takes a willingness to notice how we view people, notice the filters that create separation between all of us. And so when we dissolve whatever person's job is, whatever body they were born into, when we seek to connect with people on that human level, beautiful things can happen. And I think it takes the willingness to really notice in our mind kind of the programming that we might've gotten from our family, from society or whatever, 
and start working to dissolve those that, that we can just better connect with one another on a more meaningful level and honor and respect one another, regardless of who it is that you're having a conversation with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting how a stranger could impact your life just as much as a direct family member. I actually recently started watching the show, This Is Us. And I'm usually not a big fan of those like corny dramas on TV that like my mom likes to watch with a glass of wine. In fact, when I told some of my guy friends about this, that I was watching this show, they're like, really? What are you doing? Kind of thing. It's not Game of Thrones, but uh, one of the things I really love about that show is they they dive really deep into so many different issues, whether it's mental health or what it's like being a minority or what it's like being overweight or, or all these sort of different things. And there's a song in that in that show, I believe, beginning of season four, saying, like, how did a stranger end up being you? And and I found those lyrics really like profound. Molly, my fiance, I was 13 years old when I saw her at a movie theater and I spent the next five years trying to get her to like me, unsuccessfully, I might add. But she was just a girl from my hometown. And now we got engaged two months ago and we're going to get married and we want to have kids and all this stuff. Like, it's so amazing how like you could lose faith or you could say, oh, nothing's working out. But you might walk into a room and meet this person who could change your life. That's pretty amazing. And when we live like that, like a miracle can happen at any moment and looking for where the miracles are in our life right now. And that's a challenge that I give myself every single day, no matter what kind of symptomology I'm navigating. And especially on those days, if I'm having like really intense PTSD or depression or anxiety, let me just find what are these small snippets of moments of beauty around me? And even if it's really hard for me to viscerally feel in my body to connect with them, I'm always looking for them, whether it's watching my dog sniff yesterday, we had a crazy rainstorm here and she likes to sniff the rain. And she was just sitting in the doorway, living her best life, just smelling the rain and like licking at the smell uh, or just like little moments, especially like with my dog, that's like a huge thing. Like she always reminds me cause her life is so simple, you know? And my boyfriend and I are always laughing at her because we're like, oh, your life is like so hard. Cause she'll like groan if we don't like take her on like 10 walks a day and we're like, oh, look at you just like laying on the couch there, you know, without any stressors of human life. But she really keeps me grounded and focused on the simple moments, regardless of all of these other pressures that I might be carrying. How can I cater my focus and be really mindful to look at something small, a small detail? How can I connect with certain sensory stimulus? And that's like a way that I ground myself whenever I'm having PTSD. I'm like, all right, let me look around the room. Like, let me look right now at the tiles in my kitchen that I, until I just said this right now, I haven't even really noticed the color of them since I moved into this apartment. Yeah. Like, let me just like really look at a texture somewhere. Like, let me just like connect with a smell or a sound or just like really get lost in those sensory experiences that help bring me back into my body and just help me appreciate something random in the world around me. Like the sunlight coming through the window right now, or, you know, the smell of rain or whatever that is to help you find those little moments of beauty, those little miracle moments that are always everywhere present. It just takes our willingness to find them and look for them. Absolutely. And that's, that's a really good point you made because like I found myself over the past few months, for example, like again, going down that wormhole of comparison and feeling like, Oh my God, like I can't get a good job. I can't, how am I going to 
uh, make enough money to, to live this great life or travel the way that I want or all these things. And I, I, you find yourself talking about all the stuff you don't have or the stuff that's not happening to yourself. But if you just stop and if I stop and I, okay, I live in a pretty nice apartment. I have a pretty nice car. It's really nice outside. I have a fiance. Like a lot of people don't find love the way that I've already found. Like, and I know people who have six figures or nice houses, but they don't have a companion the way that I have. So how do you value that? Like how, how could I say, oh, as someone who doesn't make a ton of money, but someone with an incredible relationship and someone who loves me dearly. And when you stop there and you think about that and you remind yourself of what you do have and the blessings you do have in your life, I just find that that can really snowball into helping yourself with anxiety, with depression, with even just having a rough week, whatever it is, you know, like, and, and by the way, dogs are super pure. So I love dogs for that reason. And I talk about the same thing you and your boyfriend were talking about with your dog, because like, <clears throat> there's these beings on earth that literally just love us unconditionally and can find joy out of rain or a walk or whatever it is. And that is an incredible thing because we all could live a little bit more like that instead of just stressing about everything on earth. We could just take some joy out of some rainfall or, or, you know, spread some love to people. I think that's why people get so heartbroken when they lose a dog or a pet, because it's this thing that was, it's this being that was there for you and loved you unconditionally, regardless of all your faults. There's no jealousy. There was no hatred. There's no nothing but just pure love. And that's, that's an incredible thing. So uh, that was my side tangent about dogs, but yeah. <laughs> For all of us as we navigate and if maybe you know you're a person listening and you're like yeah i'm having this domain in my life that's going really well and i want to call in a relationship to use our longing and discontent to use it as tools to propel us forward instead of allowing them to be kind of like anchors that drown us and that's one thing that i'm always reminding myself like say for instance i'm comparing myself from mother and someone else and i'm like oh i feel some like i'm noticing some emotions about my life versus their life or wow, this aspect of my life didn't really work out. And this person, you know, it's working out for them. Instead of getting in that why trap, and I like to call it kind of like the why crockpot of BS, because we can just float in there and sink in there. And, you know, sometimes we need to, like, sometimes we need to be in that, that feeling for a certain amount of time. But once we've allowed ourselves to really feel those feelings, then be like, all right, I'm having this longing and discontent in my life. How can I use these feelings to guide me into building a life that I love? Like, what are some things, what are some action steps that I can start taking or, you know, something that I can do that's small to kind of just help me in this path? Because and using that as a teaching and a, as a, as a compass for me, as I navigate and as I, I build. So it, a lot of it and in a lot of like human life, it's balancing these different aspects. It's, you know, balancing and finding gratitude while also validating our emotions and feeling them while also noticing something and then like building something else with our mind. So it's, it's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of different components to being human and enabling ourselves to kind of flow through them with number one, kindness towards ourselves and patience with ourselves and being that support system for ourselves and being our own inner best friend in our mind before noticing the self doubt. But I also like to say like a self war on self. Um, if I'm noticing my inner critics like coming at me or I'm having some thoughts that aren't very nice towards me, 
uh, you know, I, I take that moment and when I'm actually able to become aware of that and be like, Hey, like, how can I actually just be my own best friend right now? Like if my best friend came up to me or she called me on the phone and was like, Hey, and just verb verbatim said all of the things that I'm struggling with now, how would I talk to her? What would I say to her in this moment? If my boyfriend was talking to me, what would I say to him if he voiced this to me? So how can I do a little bit more of how I talk to other people for myself right now? And how can I just have, you know, an ounce of more kindness towards myself in this struggle and whatever it looks like and, and whatever domain of your life it is and just start embodying some of that kindness also inwards. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously this, this whole task can be harder for some than it is for others because some people have gone through very traumatic things in their life that other people have not. And, you know, and you never want to compare traumas, but at the same time, it can be hard to find the blessings and it can be hard to find the small little joys when, you know, <clears throat> you've experienced multiple grieving tragedies or, or multiple hardships. But, but I think it's so important because again, we only live one life. And I think that lately I've been thinking about that a lot, just how this is just one chance here, one chance to make an impact, to do some stuff and, and to be remembered in, in some way, whether it's by my family or, or by more people. And I think that, again, just in order to, you know, get through the hardships of the world, especially with how bad mental health can be nowadays and how tough it is, what Julie was just talking about, about reminding yourself of, of the small blessings, whatever it is, the fact that you have a roof over your head, the, the amazing meal you ate last weekend, or, you know, whatever it is, whether it's that small or the fact that you have a great car or a great relationship or an amazing family, a bunch of siblings, a great pet, whatever it is, you know, reminding yourself of those things helps you, especially on the bad days. It's even more important to remind yourself of that stuff on the bad days, because, you know, you might wake up on an average day and be like, ah, whatever, I'm, I'm feeling good anyways. I don't need a reminder. You should remind yourself every day of the good stuff and, and the blessings, but good and bad and, and all that. Because, you know, when you're having those really tough days and those bouts with depression, and I, I've been there personally myself, where I wake up and have this overwhelming sensation of, of not having self-worth and wondering whether my life is worth it and what I'm doing. And when you have those days, it's so important to just take a few deep breaths, like Julie does at the beginning of podcasts, and, and just you know, remind yourself of the good things going on, you know, however big or small. And there'll be a time in your life where you'll be like, wow, I could write a list of all these blessings. But, you know, sometimes maybe you have days where you only got one or two. That's okay. That's all right. And I have two different things that I implement. So I think for all of us experiencing, you know, neurodivergent symptoms, having a toolbox. And just for me, I'm like, I have like a tool belt. I'm like, I know these things help me feel better. What's the structure of support that I'm doing? You know, when's the last time that I had a, a therapy session? Maybe I need another one. Like, what are these things that when I feel like this, that I can implement to help myself and discovering what that toolbox is, is so important because not everything is going to help you given the day that you're in, given the stressors or the symptoms that you're navigating. Yoga, when it wasn't the pandemic, used to really help me. It's not helping me in the way that it used to. And now going for a walk outside is really helping me. So finding what feels good and being okay with the fact that what helps you today might not help you tomorrow and just be able to flow and adjust. 
it's rigorous, but if I could go back and start my life over again and be like, all right, I'm not going to go through these traumas that I've experienced. Like I'm not going to have, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, like all of these different things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't at all because it's easy for me to say this right now because of how I like my mental state is right now, but I would not be the person who I am today. I wouldn't have the level of depth of compassion for other people. I wouldn't think the same way that I did. I wouldn't be pursuing the interests that I am today. I wouldn't be having this conversation right now on this podcast. I wouldn't have my podcast, you know, who knows? Like I wouldn't know what my life would be, but I know all of those aspects have again, brought me a lot of skills that I feel like I wouldn't have had if I don't experience those frequently. Exactly. And that goes back to my original point about, and you had asked me, you know, how do you balance the idea of, you know, taking on some really tough topics with also like pursuing it. Um, It's about finding your purpose and your self-worth, you know, and it's, it's difficult sometimes. Sometimes that takes months or years, however long it takes you, you know, thankfully, like you just said, you're in a position now where if you could go backwards, you'd, you'd, you wouldn't, you wouldn't skip out on the tough stuff because it's taught you enough lessons. And that's because you have found a sense of purpose and self-worth and, and realizing that you've learned lessons through these hard times. And, and I think that's, what's most important. I had a friend who went through a really hard breakup and another friend who's, who's lost her, her dad and her brother and, and, and awful stuff. But, but I've also seen them have these amazing days and, and, and show me their self purpose and their self worth and, and how, and how they can impact the world and, and how far they've come from some of the toughest things in their life. And, and, and that wall is a tough wall to break through. It's a tough wall to break through to, to get through it and look behind it and say, Hey, that happened. That happened to me. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to say it didn't happen and pretend it didn't. I'm going to take what I can from that experience and apply it to my life. And, and if you hadn't gone through what you've gone through, Julie, maybe you wouldn't be here podcasting or doing what you're doing. Kind of like you said, you know, if I hadn't gone through the experiences that I did with my father and my father went through with his father and all that, perhaps I wouldn't have made a short film about it, trying to use this to, to help people who battled alcoholism and addiction, you know? So there are blessings and, and beautiful things that come out of tragedy. And, and it's awful because people still have to go through the tragedy part to get to the other side. But at the same time, once you get through that wall, once you burst through it and you turn around and you still see the wall and you still realize and recognize that happened to you, then you can start applying those lessons to other parts in your life. In my case, what I'm trying to do with the hardships from my life and my own anxiety, my depression is then how do I use some of the bad stuff that's happened to me to help others? And in some ways it's like my grandmother's death who died way too soon is I can be nice to people on airplanes. I can be nice to random people I see because my, my grandmother told me to do that and she taught me that. So her lessons are still being you know, used today or sometimes it's bigger than that. Sometimes it's using the alcoholism and the, the tough times that happened to me too. I'm going to pursue a short film or whatever it is for your life. It's, you can use, you can use that baggage and, and combine that with, like Julie said, your toolbox and, you know, make something better out of all the, the messy stuff. Yeah. And create something new. And I, my, one of my favorite quotes is you can be 
a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. That's one thing that I'm constantly reminding myself. I, one of my favorite quotes is uh, die with memories, not dreams. Um, And that applies to my passion for travel and everything like that. It's just, you know, life is short, you know, and there's going to be bad days, very bad days and be bad weeks, bad months, bad years. We're all going to experience it. There's no avoiding it unless you're incredibly fortunate. We're all going to go through some really tough times and tough things. And it's about how you harness that and, and what you learn from that and how you can either impact the world or just even change the way you view that situation. You may look at a situation as just horribleness and, and gosh, I hated that. But what did you learn from that situation that you can apply to the next thing that maybe instead of turning out in tragedy, that next thing turns out in bliss and really beautiful moments, you know? I mean, that's why my mom used to tell me that every person you meet before your wife or your husband or whoever, you learn something from. So that when you do meet that special someone or that person who's like fulfills you and it's like the love of your life, like you've gone, you've both gone through all these different things and you've learned so much that now you're in a moment where you're like, okay, I can give this person one of the best versions of myself instead of a person who might not have known any better if I should or shouldn't do or say this. Is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you still would really love to touch on or a couple of tips that if someone implemented every single day could really help them reach new heights in their life? Uh, what would those, those tips be or these last you know, nuggets of inspiration or messaging from your heart? Yeah, we've really, uh, we've really covered quite a bit today. Hey, if you don't have it figured out, if you're not sure what you want to do, if you're unsure about whether you want to spend the next 30, 40 years doing this, that is okay. And you can at 30, 40, 50, however old you are, start pursuing a different passion. And that's okay. Regardless of what society tells you or your boss or your 401k or whatever anybody else tells you, it is okay to pursue something else. You should always, always put your happiness first. And then, and then beyond that, um, I mean, just personally, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I had one of the lowest mental days of my life. Um, and I'm not afraid to talk publicly about it or be open about it. It scared me. It was very frightening. It was one of the few times where I had gotten to such a low point mentally that I was real worried about, you know, my future, or what I could or couldn't do. And now two weeks later, I'm having opportunities come in that I would have never expected in the past few days. And, you know, I won't get into details about what they are, but I can just speak that. Like Julie said, if you're having one of those hard days and one of those days like I had personally, just remind yourself of the blessings in your life and think about those and maybe go and take a 10 minute walk and think and literally solely think about the blessings in your life because your life can change so quickly. Like it did for me when I was crying in my car thinking I couldn't go to college. And later that night, I had a thousand dollar check in my pocket. That's how quickly your life can change or what Julie was talking about with the oranges in her family. Like this, your life can change so quickly. So no matter how hard it is, try to remind yourself of the blessings and also spend those five to 20 minutes doing something you're passionate about, something you care about, because, you know, you never know where that could lead. Another, another side note that I have a list on my phone 
that is a list of my wins. So no matter how small it is, things that I'm proud of myself for. And so one thing that I used to always start my day was, what is one thing that I'm grateful for? What is one thing that I'm proud of for myself? Even if that morning it's literally like, I am proud of myself for getting out of bed. And that was, that was my accomplishment because it was very hard for me due to depression or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I have this note on my notes app. And during those days where I'm feeling like nothing's working out for me or like, how am I, you know, whatever it is, whatever dialogue is going on in my head. And I can't remember. It's like those moods that come up and they block you from being able to see the good almost it, it, it's like the opposite of rose colored glasses. And mm. I'll read over that list and I'll remember, hey, like I'm proud of myself for that trauma that I got through. Like, look who I am today. And I'll just go through and read all of those things that I'm proud of myself for or just things that I've done that really just make me feel good. And yeah. that will help me shift my mindset as well. So that's another aspect from my toolbox, uh, something that I pull out in those times that can be helpful too. Yeah, that's, that's really great. And that's why like, I personally journal uh, for the same reason, you know, sometimes I'll just write down and write about what's on my mind. Sometimes it's bad stuff. Sometimes it's good stuff. But when you go back and you read that and you look back at it, you say, oh, wow, I've come a long way, you know, from feeling this way. And that's important to remind yourself of those kind of things, because instead of comparing yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself sometimes, compare yourself to how bad things were for you just a few months ago and how great things are for you now. Think about that because that'll make you feel better. You'll think to yourself, wow, I've come a long way. And like Julie said, you'll feel pride and being proud of yourself is a very important thing to be because, you know, sometimes after the whole moving out of the house thing, you don't really have mom and dad and all these people in your ear saying, Oh, I'm proud of you. Sometimes you need to remind yourself that you're proud of yourself and be that person, be your own cheerleader. Absolutely. Exactly. So for people that want to follow your work and want to just follow all the things that you're doing, where can they connect with you? And I'll also include all of your links and information below. Sure. So uh, you can find the YouTube channel that I've referred to a few times where Molly and I film vlogs around uh, Disney World, Universal, Orlando themed attractions and stuff. Very positive place trying to help you with your vacation. You can find that on YouTube. We're called the Date Hoppers, kind of like you know, a park hopper, except we go on dates together and show off different date nights and dining reviews and everything like that. Uh, we're also on Instagram underneath the same name and Facebook underneath the same name. Uh, you can find, you can follow me personally on Instagram too. I'm hoping to release this short film later this year. I'm excited about it and, uh, what kind of impact it might have on the world. I, I just, uh, just want to, want to help people with what I'm passionate about. And I hope that with some of the things I said today, that that helps someone out there that, that is struggling with, with all sorts of different things. And, and I just, I was excited to be a part of this podcast. So thank you for letting me be on here because uh, I think it's a really great thing what you're doing. You're, you're harnessing, you know, a lot of what you've learned in your life and turning it into a positive vibes podcast and talking through experiences. I think that's a great thing. And follow Julie basically is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to say follow Jared on, on one of my, my toolkit things is that when I'm having like a rough day, I'll watch your videos and I'm, I'll just like, <laughs> that's what I do. Like, that's one of my things. Like, I don't well, like lose my mind. And then I'm just like, I'm there with you guys. Like I'm traveling, you know? So 
it's supposed to just be positive and uplifting. And like I said, you know, no matter how many subscribers or following I ever get, it's, it's about, I'm just trying to make some people laugh usually at me being stupid on a YouTube video, but whatever, whatever it is. Well, we will catch you guys on our next episode. Make sure to follow Jared and wishing you all a beautiful rest of your day. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I love creating it. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram at J-U-L-Householder or my website, juliehouseholder.com. I love hearing how you've integrated these episodes into your life. And if you feel called, please leave a review on iTunes so we can help others reach new heights. 